everybody welcome to another episode of lem me no i'm your host angel lem today i'm sitting with dandy gahili he is a clinical therapist who serves children and adolescents in the foster care system in the chicago area he's also the author of my friend has autism but he is no different from me he also wrote i am me plc he just came out with a new book a simple book on how to be you can find all his books now on amazon.com you can find him on dgahilde on instagram that's d g u h i l d e and that way you could go directly to his link tree and find out more about him the the two links for his books as of the day of recording his link tree isn't updated but i'm sure once this episode is released you'll be able to find this other book this interview was super fun this actually i believe is the first time i i record with somebody not only out of state but from chicago it was good getting to know dundee i had fun doing this i i found out about him through instagram i saw a post and you know first of all like me being a person of color i decided you know let me check this out and i i loved it i loved his message so i decided you know what let me ask him on and thankfully he agreed and hopefully you guys go support him i strongly believe he basically built the the infinity stone of books because um once you collect them all it'll turn you into a better person not i know the infinity stones were like bad but it's actually depending on the person that's holding them that's something else but yeah like you become an all-rounded person a well-rounded person at the end make sure you check out his website make sure you go grab his book and for me uh, i just want you guys to add me on instagram add me at let me know pod also make sure leave a review on itunes five stars please and just write me some words it makes me feel good and makes me feel like i'm doing the right thing when you write nice things and if if you don't want to that's fine but i prefer if you did and also i have merch on teespring.com make sure you grab yourself a shirt uh i do have hats um they're limited right now i only have one so extremely limited so if you would like one let me know i, I don't want to talk too much i want you guys to know more about dundee and hopefully you guys enjoy this episode
Everybody, welcome back. So today I'm sitting with Dandi Gahili. He's a clinical therapist and the author of My Friend Has Autism, but he's no different from me. And he's just came out with the second book, I Am PLC. So first of all, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. And the book is actually I Am Me PLC. Oh, I Am Me PLC. Sorry, I didn't write the me down. Sorry, sorry about that. Um. So yeah. So first of all, you know my my first question out the gate. You know, I like to get to know you so um but before that actually so how are you you know you're a therapist and i my in my opinion like people in the in the health field are the hardest you know like when either you're a doctor or a nurse and you get sick um they're the, the hardest ones to you know they, they worry the most and as a mental like a, somebody that works with therapy like right now with these issues that we're facing you know like mental health is something that's very important so um, I, I want to know how you're doing with all that. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it's been a lot these last three months. Um, you know, with the quarantine, the shelter in place, then the protests. Uh, so, within the last two weeks, I would say I've been feeling pretty just heavy. Uh-huh. Uh, a lot of angst, uncertainty. Uh, I would say during the first two weeks of quarantine, I was fine. I was, you know, okay. As a professional, I got to work from home. You know, I was conducting sessions uh, via telehealth. So mm-hmm. what that is, is basically just a video call between me and the client. Uh, most of my clients are children right now. I do have a couple of adults. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it was fine the first two weeks, but then it became it became isolating. So working from home, you know, I was not around people. I was, you know, sometimes I was by myself my partner wasn't here mm-hmm. um, and I would be doing work but I wasn't interacting with you know my colleagues if I was in the office you know, mm-hmm. if, if I would have been in the office I would have been talking to my colleagues or my supervisor or just seeing people walk around but um, working from home has been kind of been isolating and it's a lot for a mental health clinician a therapist because you know we are in the helping field 
So we're helping individuals increase their positive mood or get over depression or recover from trauma. But as we, the clinicians, are going through um, our own angst or uh, despair throughout like this quarantine, um, and we're experiencing isolation, we're experiencing our own sadness, our own grief and loss. Uh, we become, you know, well, I, I can only speak for me, but I, I've become more, I guess, more aware of focusing on my own self-care so I can sustain and increase my own positive mood. Um, sorry, I felt like that was a lot. <laughs> no, no, that's great. Like, I mean, I agree with you. Like, I guess right now we're forced with being by on our own. So, and like, as humans, like we're, we like to interact with people. So telling us like not to, to be social, like, as you could tell, like on the news, like people are like blowing back to like, no, you're taking our rights. But I feel like some of them just don't understand, you know, the issue isn't about you getting sick. It's about taking, in my opinion, it's taking the bed from somebody that actually is going to need it. You know, you're taking their spot when you could, all you have to do is not go out or not socialize for like a little bit. This is not going to be forever. Just give, give on the people are working on a vaccine or on the medicine to like, to go to work and actually not be rushed. Cause you know, like if you're rushed, then you might not give the right medication and the, you know, all medication has side effects and the side effects might be worse than the sickness. So you just gotta, you know, just gotta give it time. But yeah, right, I, right. I totally, I totally understand, you know, like, like um also like i want to know how it's affecting the the population i know you work you said you work with children and adults but like like how is it affecting the children you know like seeing what's going on with the protest and just them not being able to socialize with their with their peers at school you know they have to like right now they're doing their schooling through zoom or or their parents are teaching them but how is it affecting them yeah i mean it's it's affecting my my kids my clients who are children it's affecting them in different ways so some you know aren't, aren't too aware of the situation they they're just aware of like there's a virus out there that's pretty dangerous or that the protests are happening and that's dangerous um, but the way it's affecting them is, is is it varies so sometimes or for 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 example one of my kids uh, who I give therapy to doesn't have resources or just the proper technology to continue doing school Mm -hmm. online so you know that they uh learning is put to a halt or their own learning and development is put to a halt due to the pandemic because they don't have you know um a laptop that can have these you know video call capabilities so they can't uh go to school right now they're stuck at home they can't leave the house a lot of them are bored to yeah. my kids uh, who i have all they talk about is how bored they've become you know it's just it's affecting them in different ways yeah yeah well um yeah like sometimes i wish i had the resources to just help everybody you know like provide those laptops because you know now like we're seeing that like internet's not a luxury anymore it's something that everybody needs and having a working laptop that like it's functionable now with like er like everything like with the camera being able to like have it the mic built in into the laptop like that's all necessary it's not like now it's not an option you know you need that you need a car now because like they're like some people are really far away from where they're um from the grocery stores or their their doctor so like taking the bus you know like 
that I feel like that's a huge like putting yourself in danger taking the bus you don't know like who's in the bus if they're taking the their care of themselves and like I know at Chicago like that's where you live correct right, right. Yep. and yep. I know like public transportation is like like very it's big over there and like, it's actually one of the best you know so like yeah. but like still you know like there's overpopulation in most cities and like some like you know obviously like the pu- public tra- transportation is the like the thing that everybody's using but at the same time like they're putting their health at risk to you know to earn a living and a lot of them even like lost their jobs so yeah like i wish i had the resources to help everybody but i'm just a little i'm a small little ant you know trying to put in work (laughs) absolutely right though you know um it's it's risky to go on public transportation right now to take the train to take the bus um it was risky a month ago it was even more risky two months ago yeah as things are as shelter in place is lifting up nobody really knows what's going to happen mm-hmm. you know those the virus is still out there even though it's warm here in chicago you know doesn't mean that the virus has necessarily gone away yeah. um and people are out of jobs still you know you know during the pandemic a lot of people have lost their jobs have gone on unemployment but that's all about to end soon too now though, you know it's like the, the extra 600 in that stimulus check is ending in July. So a lot of people are kind of freaking out right now yeah. um, about money and getting employment. So Yeah, yeah. And so tell us a little bit about yourself. I think we got a little deep in there, but I want you to just tell us, you know, like, tell us about yourself. Yeah, sure, sure. So I was born here in Chicago. My family, my mom and dad are from the Philippines. So I'm first generation American, mm-hmm. Filipino American. Um, and right now I am in my thirties, um, uh, a veteran. I served in the U S air force reserves from the age of 19 to about 25. And I was honorably discharged. Um, I went to college throughout my military career, got my bachelor's and I got my first master's after, uh, the, the military and I got my second master's um, in clinical mental health counseling right after that. But, um, as you can see, you know, I'm, 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 I'm brown, I'm, I have black hair, almond eyes. So even though I was a first generation American, even though I am a citizen, sometimes I, I feel like I'm not an American, you know? So um, a lot of work that I do right now is, is working. I work with a lot of people of color, mostly black people, um, also Hispanic individuals, um, and just again a lot of POC individuals so uh, a lot of work that I do is is for underrepresented communities Um, when I was in grad school I used to also I I worked for a a nonprofit around the city in the area that uh, that catered or that served LGBTQ individuals so um, I I feel like I'm a well-rounded clinician when it comes to marginalized communities um, yeah, so uh, my identity is a huge part of me. So um, I identify as an LGBTQ uh, male, um, cisgender male, um, and again, I'm a POC. So yeah, I mean, I, I feel like even during this time, I'm more aware of my differences. I'm more aware of my identity. I'm more aware of. Uh, you know my brown skin my black hair um especially throughout these uh these protests you know i'm, I'm more aware of you know 
basically that I'm different, that I'm not white, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, I honestly, like, well, my girlfriend's Filipina and, um, yeah, like, I think, like, me- me- Hispanics, me- like, Mexican, I'm a Mexican, I'm Mexican, so, like, Mexicans and Filipino, like, we're so close, like, we're so similar, like, our foods are basically, like, the same, you guys have, like, your, 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 um, the names for your foods are, this like, in Spanish, basically, and I think it's because you guys got, um, colonized, I think, by the Spaniards, right, so, like, that's why we're so similar, but, yeah, I mean, when you think POC, you, like, over here at least like you just think about hispanics but you kind of forget sometimes that, like there's like everybody's in between you know like filipinos like you know so yeah like i i mean i i love filipino food so like i if you got good food i can't hate on you and i'm not a hater you know at all so you know but like i guess my, my question is like what got you into like what made you want to go into the military or yeah yeah so to be honest, what got me into the military was uh, suppression of my own self, suppression of my identity. I thought going into the military would sort of be some sort of conversion therapy for me, where I thought it would masculine, masculinize me or make me into a, a quote-unquote man. You know, I thought I thought I could uh, work the gay out of me or, or get the gay yelled out of me by drill instructors. You know. So I had a really hard time growing up um, in a in a in a family that's very conservative and very uh, ethnically, I guess, pure culturally pure, where being gay was not accepted. So my intention was to go into the military, hopefully, um, you know, turn straight, and then hopefully. Or, or again, my intention was to hopefully turn straight and then find a woman that I can marry and live my life as a straight man. But you know that didn't ha- that didn't happen. So I ended up doing a six-year enlistment. Um, but during that six-year enlistment, I feel like I I learned a lot about myself, um, and then I did come out um, of the closet uh, while I was in the military because I started to become more comfortable with who I was. Um, and it led me to where I am today. Yeah, and I mean, I guess it was a good thing because you you started like getting confident of who you your real identity, you know. So once you came out, you found out, you know what? Like, there's really no changing. You know, this isn't something I could choose to do, or like to like or how I feel. And that's great. I mean, I, that's great. Even though I'm sure it wasn't hard uh, being a person of color, and on top of that, uh, being queer, it you know like. Can you tell us about your experiences with that, like being a person of color and queer on top of that? Absolutely, absolutely. So I like to think of any kind of label that's not normal. So like if you're not straight, if you're not a white man, if you're not, you know, quote unquote normal, you you receive a, a layer or a barrier. So every, every other label that you are, you get like a glass ceiling. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you've heard that term, but a glass ceiling is basically, uh, an imaginary ceiling that prevents you from achieving something. Um, so being a person of color, I had to, you know, do extra to prove who I was, uh, to prove my competencies or my abilities to my employers, you know. Being gay, I had to act a certain way so that people wouldn't discriminate about me being too effeminate or me being um, too flamboyant. So I had to act a certain way, especially when I was in the military. Um, so being a person of color who 
is also a gay man, you know, I had to do extra just to prove my competencies um, to my employers who were typical um, individuals or quote unquote normal individuals, because I felt like, you know, um, I was being looked at uh, with more of a magnifying glass than, you know, my, my uh, white counterparts who were straight or um, quote unquote, again, normal. So being a POC and being a gay male has created more barriers for me. Um, you know, I, I'm, I have two master's degrees right now and I feel like, you know, I'm just on par with somebody who, with a, with a white guy who has, um, you know, a bachelor's degree or even a high school diploma as far as like uh, professional work field goes or as far as uh, accomplishment in the work field goes. So I have to achieve more, I feel like, to, to be I guess, you know, middle class, where if someone was in my position who were white and had two master's degrees, I don't know where they would be, but um, I'm sure, <laughs> I don't know, I can't really. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, not like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, mean, I feel like I have to work extra just to be where I'm at, you know? Yeah, yeah and that, that, I mean, that definitely, that's good, but it does suck when you compare it to somebody like that's white, like, they don't have to try as hard and that's uh, on our mind we always have to like we have to like i guess like we're looking for acceptance in the world mm-hmm. and we feel like if we work harder then we'll be accepted but i mean as we could tell right now that rea- that's not the reality like we're still not the same when you look at us po- like politically and now in the streets you know like you being from Chicago and I know there's a lot of a high um, crime rate and it's mostly people of color you know that live there and the people that are policing us are mostly white you know for right. the most part and even the people that are in the work like in the like law enforcement you, they, they have the same you know they think the same as us you know like us as being civilians or we, I mean you being a veteran you kind of understand like like you want to fit in you don't want to stand out you want to seem like as their equal so as like you could tell like with the death of george floyd that kind of sparked that you know that we were already hot as it was like we were staying home you're telling us the government was telling us not to go anywhere shutting people down but now you got this issue where like that police brutality on top of that and i i could see that you know like like i just mentioned like being in the law enforcement like you don't you want to they're a brotherhood and as brothers they want to be equal but you know like you, you see that even there like they're really not like like still white still rules you know over everything so um you being a veteran i wanted to ask what your opinion was on like the issues that are going on like you fought for this country like you fought for the flag so like, I wanted to know your perspective of what's going on. And on top of that, like the kneeling, like, I guess a lot of white people are saying that that's unpatriotic. And you're, if you fought for this country and you're kneeling, you're disrespecting them. So, like, what's your opinion on that? Yeah, sure. Um, so in regards to fighting for this country, you know, I, I did serve for six years, but I never went to war. So okay. I didn't necessarily, quote unquote, fight, but I did serve. Or represent this country. Yeah, I did represent the country and I served as, a, as an airman. Um, I never went to war, though, so I'm, I'm very lucky for that. Because if I did, I would have, I'd probably be, a, I'd probably be a different person. <laughs> but, um, 
Yeah, it's, it's different now because when I was in it, when I was in the military, I was very proud of myself. I was like, I'm doing something for this country, you know, I'm quote unquote serving this country and, you know, I'm, I guess, a part of this country. And I kind of did feel like I was a part of this country. But after the military, you know, when I got out, even a couple of years afterwards, I was just another POC again. I was, you know, um, I wasn't looked at as a veteran unless I was in uniform or I wasn't looked at as a serviceman unless I was in uniform. So take that away, take the uniform away. I'm a POC again. I'm a Asian American again. I'm just an Asian again, you know, I'm a brown person again. So um, wearing the uniform, I felt a part of this country. I felt, you know, I felt with this country, but when I took that off, I was just another brown person who is not a part of this country. I am a citizen, but I do feel and get treated like a foreigner at times, you know? Sometimes you get those microaggressions. Sometimes I get those microaggressions where someone will come up to me and say, you know, what, what language do you speak or where are you from? And it's like, man, you know, I'm from here. I speak, I speak English, I don't speak anything else. And they get surprised and it's like, you know, I think to myself, why can't a brown person be from this country, be born from this country and only speak English? Why do we have to be some sort of exotic creature that speaks a foreign language? You know, just because we don't look a certain way doesn't necessarily mean we're not from here. Um, so I started, you know, coming into my own after the military and realizing, you know, like I, even though I was born here, I'm not necessarily treated like I was from here. So. I started putting my patriotism, um, I guess, in the closet, I would say, you know, I, I was starting to come out of the closet, literally me being a POC gay man, I was coming out of the closet and putting my patriotism, is that the, word, is that the right word? Yep. Patriotism, <laughs> putting that into the closet, you know, I was, I was literally changing identity, but as I was changing identity, I feel like I was coming into my own identity, which is the real me, mm-hmm. you know, brown person and all. Again, I was putting that uniform literally into the closet and I was coming out of the closet as my own you know, person, as who I really am. So when I look at that kneeling, um, like Colin Kaepernick, when I look at that, you know, taking a knee and protesting against the flag, you know, I, I, I kind of, I, I resonate with that. It's like, I, me, person, me, a person of color, serve this country was willing to go to war for this country uh the country kind of treats not saying everyone in the country but the majority of people in this country treat brown people black people as foreigners or not you know people that don't belong here so when that whole thing when colin kaepernick took a knee um i you know i i was i was all for that i was like even now like i when i was in the military i would put up the american flag in my bedroom you know but now it's like i don't i don't identify with that i don't resonate with the american flag um i am a citizen again but i don't resonate with being from this country you know i have roots from the philippines my parents are from the philippines i'm a filipino before i am an american so yeah i I do um I have put away my nationalistic ideas um, after the military, especially uh, just being who I am and being treated the way that I was. Uh, nothing bad, just you know, just the microaggressions again, just just feeling othered all the time. So. Yeah, I mean, 
yeah that that definitely like i i mean i can't say that i could relate because i didn't fight or i didn't enlist but yeah i mean i understand that like me you don't have an accent like, at all like i have an accent i was born in this country but when i speak i get the same thing just because like how i look and i'm a little bit like it's, it's kind of like if i shut my mouth then i could pass for white a little bit just a little bit but I mean, once I open my mouth, they're like, okay, well, you're definitely not from here. Like, you don't speak like us. And that sucks. Like, I mean, I, I was born here. Like, what makes you better than me just because I'm, you're like lighter than me and you speak better? Like, at the end of the day, like, we're all equal here. Or that was what this country stood for to begin with. Like, but I guess somewhere it changed when like people started getting more power and wanting more power over others. And when they saw that they needed, like this country was built on slavery basically or um, oppression so i guess they know that like we need to keep them oppressed so they could work harder for us and we could get more from them so it's a sad thing but you know like like hopefully it changes you know with, with everything that's going on and like taking the knees like a micro pro protest you know it's a little thing like it's not bothering anybody but it's sad that it, it took people to riot and to do all this but I mean, if you look at it, like it kind of worked. You know, you yeah. can't say it didn't, because like laws are changed, being changed as we speak. Money's being taken from like, like police and being funded for other things that are also as like as important, like education, mental health, and things like that. That it's gonna benefit the community. Where the police was like, I mean, it was. It started as a like wrangler for African Americans for like slaves basically. And when you look at how it was built on hate and we still keep it around, like this is something that was built on hate. We need to find something that like not saying that to completely get rid of the police, but maybe maybe find give them like different departments where they specialize on certain things and send out those those police officers to help the certain situations you know I, th I feel like you're putting a lot on police officers and it, it shows you know some of them can't handle the power and they're abusing it and they know that because they they're supposed to stand out together they're not going to get any blowback from the authority or from the government because they represent the government so but hopefully it changes you know I know and I agree with you the, the redistribution of resources and funds to other sex of society you know to other um areas of society so taking you know the term defunding the police i i like to think that means taking some of the funds that are given to the law enforcement and redistributing out to society and resources to better serve the community so yeah well um well let's get out of that topic like i, I think we were kind of deep we were dove in pretty deep so um let talk about let's talk about your first book right my, my sure. friend has autism but is no different from me correct? right right so i uh when i got into the social services field i, I worked at a school for children with autism um, and prior to working with the school i had no idea what um what living with autism looked like so all i saw was what the media showed us which was you know just um individuals with uh, mental health issues and to me that was that was a little intimidating going into the field so I didn't know what to expect my first week working with the kids you know was, was 
it was uh, life-changing for me. You know, I started to realize these are these kids are just like everyone else. These kids are not, you know, what you see on the media of how the media portrays individuals with disabilities or um, diagnoses, you know, or disorders. You know, um, these these individuals, individuals with uh, um, with disabilities or with uh, uh, a disorder of um, uh, mental health disorder or uh, just a diagnosis from the DSM. These individuals are normal people. So I was inspired to write a book to sort of spread the word and sort of increase normalization for children with autism. Mm -hmm. I worked in the school for, in that school for about a year and a half. And throughout the year and a half, I just, uh, establish some great connections with the students and realize that these students, you know, society gives them limitations, but these students rise above the limitations if you just give them your patience and understanding and acceptance, you know? So that book was sort of an ode to the experience that I had working uh, at the school. Because um, all those students I considered, you know, after I worked in the school, I just, you know, they weren't students. They were my friends, you know, like those little kids were, were going to grow up to be adults. And I, you know, dedicated that book to them to sort of increase advocacy for students or for children with autism, but also to increase normalization and increase inclusion for children with autism within the, the typical, quote unquote, typical society. Mm -hmm. In your opinion, do you think that? we have enough resources for people that do grow up and you know like they're being taken care of for the most part by their parents or their loved ones but do we have enough resources to help people with autism that want to be on their own that or they could be on their own there are there are resources i'm not too sure uh on, on a nationwide basis but there are definitely resources for um adults who have autism, who are living with various disabilities um, as they get older, because, um, you know, their parents aren't always going to be there. So there are, you know, there are group homes, there are nonprofit agencies that um, provide assisted living or provide uh, support or even um, independent living for individuals with disabilities or individuals living with autism. So there are resources um, here in Chicago, at least, and I'm pretty sure around the nation, um, that I can only speak for the vicinity of my area. But yeah, there are there are quite a few resources out there for individuals living with autism and individuals living with disabilities in general. And would you be able to like? Because I'm sure I have some listeners on, in Chicago. Like, would you be able to like tell us a little bit or how to find them? Obviously, googling would be the first step. But like, since you know of some, like, would you be able to share some of those? That way, yeah, like, if so somebody's cool. listening that has a family member, knows somebody that has that has autism, like, that way they can help them. Sure. So I used to work at the school uh, in Countryside, which is a suburb of Chicago. It's called Helping Hand uh, School for Children with Aut Autism. And that's in Countryside, Illinois. So that's a school, a therapeutic school for children who uh, may struggle with uh, academics or who may struggle with um with uh, learning, um, and that's a therapeutic school that provides occupational therapy, that provides you know, speech therapy, um, just developmental support to increase their development. Um, 
at a young age, but there are also uh, agencies around Chicago, such as Misericordia, uh, that provide group homes for individuals living with autism or individuals living with disabilities. Um, they're, yeah, so uh, another one is United Cerebral Palsy. So that's another one in Chicago uh, that, another agency in Chicago that provides services for individuals living with uh, disabilities. Um, but again, Google is a good resource. Acting or asking uh, your uh, primary care physician or even your local mental health uh, agency. Um, the place that I work for is called Segwin, UCP Segwin, Greater Chicago. And it's here in Chicago as well that we serve individuals living with autism, but also individuals living with various disabilities, such as cerebral palsy um, or, again, autism. So. Yeah, well, um, anybody listening, if you know somebody or you yourself have somebody that has autism, um, there you go. There's some, some resources and obviously Google. And I don't think I should tell you guys because that's like the first thing you guys should do. But like if you are in somewhere in Chicago living in, I think you live in Illinois, correct? Correct. Yeah. So, yeah. And or in Illinois, like take advantage right, take advantage of those resources so let's get to know cleo or oh, chloe my bad <laughs> chloe you know she's the the main character in your book i am me poc so tell us about chloe and um about the book sure so chloe is actually my niece um she is my second born niece my sister's niece or my sister's daughter sorry um I have two nephews and two nieces. Chloe is the second oldest. And she, I was inspired to write this book um, because of my own experience being a POC, but also inspired by the clients that I work for and also by my nieces and nephews. Um, so basically the book is called I Am Me POC and it's about um, a little girl named Chloe. Uh, the character is based off my niece who has just amazing goals and aspirations, you know, and basically uh, Chloe can do anything. She can um, dance and sing. She can do anything that anyone else can do, you know. So the book is basically just sort of to increase representation for people of color, but to also inform others that just because they have different skin color, have a different skin color than, you know, the norm or typical American or individual living in America, just because they have a different skin color or color of skin um, that they are no different than you know a white person or someone who identifies within the mainstream culture. Um, so this normalizes what it means to be a person of color, which really doesn't mean anything. It just means that you're a human being, you know? Um, so in the book, Chloe has aspirations of becoming a doctor when she gets old, you know? Um, so it's also trying to break that stereotype for for people of color because we see, you know, the media puts people of color in various categories. So, you know, if you're black, then you, you are automatically going to be an athlete. You know, that's one stereotype. Um, if you're Asian, you're automatically going to be good at math. Um, if you're white, you're going to be a lawyer, you know. Um, so in this book, it kind of hopefully breaks down that stereotype of you know of forced people of color um and again it it just talks about chloe and her siblings and how being a poc is no different from being you know, a white person so 
uh, her little sister in the book plays basketball and skates, you know, and um, I'm also trying to break down gender roles. So just because her little sister's a girl doesn't necessarily mean she can't play sports. Like she's playing basketball, you know, in the book. One of the pictures in the book shows boys little sisters shooting hoops, you know, and also skating, ice skating. So um, it also breaks down limitations for little girls um, of color as well. And so, so like, what, what do you hope to accomplish with this? Because um, I know you're like, this is pretty much towards kids. So what do you hope to accomplish within like, children yeah so what i hope to do is i hope to really just just uh normalize diversity at a young age i'm trying to help children and and their families talk about diversity at a young age so that when they get older so when these kids do get older um they are a not afraid of being a person of color in society b are open to other people of color um but i'm also trying to increase uh advocacy for people of color as well. So um, the term person of color is a fairly new term. Uh, people usually call us minorities, you know, the mainstream culture calls us minorities. And the word minority is pejorative. So it has a negative connotation saying like, we are less than the mainstream culture. Or we are less than the majority culture. So um, it's, the book is kind of educational in, in, in the fact that it does you know, outline what POC means, and um, it's a good uh, abbreviation to identify a person of color rather than using minority or rather than using, you know, a, a pejorative term to identify someone in a marginalized, uh, diverse community. Um, utilizing appropriate language is sort of preferred uh, to sort of empower the community rather than to suppress or oppress. Uh, people of color mm -hmm. in our community so yeah yeah i mean i i actually i rather use that term <laughs> to be honest the minority or like i know urban and you know that's another label that we get like we're urban but i guess being urban like kind of like i don't know what how i take it is saying that we can't live in the suburbs or we can't live somewhere that's safe like being urban is dangerous or something right so, right right yeah, I, i'd rather be <laughs> i'd rather be labeled as poc than the other two because yeah right. so and i also know that you just um you're gonna come out with a simple book on how to be correct right a simple book on how to be right so right. um tell us about that one a little preview of what we could uh, expect and what's a little what's about so Maybe the listeners want to get all three at once. So maybe you could tell us when it um, comes out. I don't know if you already have the date yet, but. So I actually, I did release it this week. So it's out right now, but I'm not promoting it just yet. Um, just because of the circumstances, but it is out there to, for uh, individuals to buy. And it's based on my nephew who's, who's, uh, who identifies as trans. Um, and basically a simple book on how to be is sort of a, a little guide for kids on how to be and it's basically just to be an advocate to be accepting to be um to be you know just just kind and generous um and most importantly uh to be yourself uh so at the end of the book it's basically just you know the the main character coming to terms on um, his identity and uh accepting uh who he is and just showcasing his his uh, identity to the world Um, and that identity it's a trans identity you know so it's it's a very 
it's a very non-conventional children's book in that it does represent um, the LGBTQ community, more specifically the trans community. It shows a lot of trans representation, especially at the end of the book. Mm -hmm. uh, so again, the book is very non-conventional. It's not your normal ch uh, children's book. It's it's sort of liberal in in the sense that it, it's uh, it's a trans affirmative children's book. So um, I I wrote the book with the intention that there is no to, there is no representation or very limited representation for trans individuals um, for trans children for, for children who identify as trans. So I did want to write this book to sort of so, show that um, representation for the trans community more specifically. Um, the children who identify as trans in our community and um, so, go ahead no yeah and no no i'm sorry you were saying you're speaking still oh no and i was just also going to say that it, it the book uses uh sort of i don't know i, I would say like a uh a, a pun so every word that should be spelled b-e is spelled b-e-e -E. so it's like the the book is um a, bit, a simple book on how to be and the word be is spelled b-e-e -E. it's just this uh, thing that goes along with the illustrations so and i mean i personally i appreciate what you're doing you pretty much hit, you're hitting people with um being comfortable with themselves basically on all aspects and also understanding that if you're a little different um in the case of uh, um, my friend has autism mm -hmm. um being like accepting of others you know like they might even though they might be a little different you they're still not you know there's really not no differences like they still function in this world just like any of us they're just have to do a, something different I and mean, that doesn't make them different it's just we all are different like we all like things dislike things and there's things that they like and dislike and that that's all that pretty much are that keeps us a little different but other than that we're all human beings in this world trying to function so and yeah, I mean, in the end, in the end, we're, we all bleed the same. Basically, is mm -hmm. we all bleed red, so yeah. we're all humans, just like you said. Yeah, yeah. and I mean, I I do uh, the uh, this book. I was gonna ask you if you were planning to do something with like queer or uh, with identification. So I mean, this is a perfect book. So with this one, is this one available to the public? Right now, it's available. Yes, so it's currently on on Amazon. Uh, you can find it on my. Uh, you can find it on my website, um, okay. but you can also search for it on Amazon. Yeah, so, um, I bought the I bought the IME POC, but I'll, because I'm gonna do a giveaway. I'm planning to do a giveaway, but in this case, um, I think you kind of assembled the, what's it called, the Avengers, the 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 stones, the Infinity <laughs> Stones. I think you kind of assembled the Infinity Stones for how to be a person in this world. So, um, I also am gonna, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So should just yeah, and um, so um, I'll get those three books, but I think the most important question out of like the, this whole interview um that I want to ask you is um, is is kickball life? Is kickball life? Yeah, kickball life. Kickball. Yeah. Don't you play kickball? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do. I, I play kickball. Yeah, kickball is life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you're like a champion, right? You won a couple trophies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure did so like um how, what got you into kickball like especially as an adult like i, I feel it's cut pretty hard like <laughs> like you know playing with other adults right so it, as a therapist what we do is we advocate for a community you know mm -hmm. we advocate to 
to form a community because when you form a community, you form connection among people. So when you form connection among people, you create happiness. So I preach that to a lot of my clients, especially when I worked at Center on Halstead, uh, the agency for LGBTQ individuals. Um, so then I thought to myself, you know, I wanted to create a sort of community for my own self. So I found um, a league. It was a gay men's league, which I joined, and I met a, a lot of good people who I'm still friends with, good friends with now. And um, yeah, just joining that, playing sports as an adult really increases your uh, positive mood. So um, yeah. well, just a hobby on the side. <laughs> yeah, well, that was my attempt of bringing some some comedy or like <laughs> you know. So yeah, so um, so we're pretty much um, I'm out of questions. I think okay. we've got to know you a little bit and uh, what you do. Obviously, there's more layers to you, but. Uh, I don't know if I missed anything that you want the listeners to know about you or, or what you do. Um, let them know before we end it. Um, no, I, I think you touched on everything. Um, you can follow me on Instagram, Dundee uh, I don't know. I don't want to spell it right now, but <laughs> yeah. um, you can find me on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, My name is pretty complicated, but... No, yeah, and all, the, all your social media and your website where they can find your books... Uh, they'll be available this is just an option like maybe some like people are like audio like they they do things audio i mean i'm a person that likes to touch and do things so it's just you know i'm trying to give them an option for them to if they want to spell it as they're hearing it they can but um sure. all this if you want. no so, I'll, I'll do that i'll do that in the introduction you don't gotta worry about that yeah okay cool yeah. <laughs> um yeah so i don't know if you have any questions for me before we end it no no questions um just keep me posted on whenever it's going to be uh, available to listen. So. Yeah, all right. So I'm going to end the recording, but I'll talk to you once. I'm, we're still going to stay on the screen, obviously. Okay, cool. All right, cool. Well, thank you guys for listening, and I'll talk to you guys in a bit. All right, guys. So that was the interview with Dandiga Hildi. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Like I said, you can follow him at Hildi on Instagram. That's D. G-U-J-I-L-D-E. And make sure you click on his link tree to find his books. I am me, POC. My friend has autism, but he is no different from me. And his brand new book, a simple book on how to be. So hopefully you guys, like I said, enjoy this episode. Make sure you add me at Let Me Know Pod on Instagram and Facebook. Make sure you leave me a five-star review on iTunes. Uh, share the podcast with your friends. The more attention we get, the more attention Dandy will get. And um, the more people he, he'd be able to help with this books. So, yeah. So, um, like I said, hopefully you guys are enjoying your day. Hopefully you guys are enjoying your week. And if you guys have any questions, don't hesitate. Send me on message on Instagram or Facebook. Or you can email me at letmenopod at gmail.com. And if you guys would like to support the show financially, make sure you go grab a t-shirt at teespring.com slash letmenopod. And use the promo code letmenop or podcast so you can save 20%. My suggestion is sending me a DM with the picture of the item that you want and I'll get it at my rate. That way I can save you guys some money and at the same time, I get to know you and who is supporting the show. All right, guys, with all that said, I hope you guys are having a great day and make sure you go grab Dundee's book and thank you guys for letting me be part of your day. All right, guys, so next time I'll see ya. Bye.
This song has been brought to you by Let Me Know Podcast. New episode every week available on all streaming platforms.